We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome into another edition of Pete's Pigskin Preview presented by Riverland Roofing. I'm Neil McCready. That is MPW Digital Football Expert Pete DeWeese getting you ready for the Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl. It's Ole Miss and Penn State, noon Eastern, 11 Central. They're in Mercedes-Benz Stadium in uh, downtown Atlanta. That game on ESPN on December the 30th. Uh, full disclosure, because I just think it's important to do full disclosure when we do something like this. We are taping on Sunday, December the 17th. Uh, both have holiday stuff coming up, obviously, with uh, Christmas Eve a week away as we tape this. So you're probably going to see this for the first time around the 21st, the 22nd. So if something has happened that we mentioned that you're like, what the hell are they talking about? We did not bring our crystal balls with us. So uh, we didn't have we didn't have that going on, but we're mainly going to talk about Penn State, Ole Miss's foe in the uh, Peach Bowl. James Franklin's team, like Lane Kiffin's team, ten and two this season, and like uh, Ole Miss, their two losses are to two really good teams. Ole Miss lost to Alabama, lost to Georgia. Penn State won every game except for Michigan and Ohio State. So very similar teams, sort of in terms of their record, their where they are in the college football hierarchy, uh, those kinds of things as they uh, square off in Atlanta on uh, the 30th. Get to Pete in just one second. First, I want to tell you that we've been brought to you all season by our friends at Riverland Roofing. Would you like some peace of mind knowing that your roof is taken care of, whether you need an inspection, a new roof, or a maintenance program? Riverland Roofing has you covered, home or business. As a GAF Master Elite contractor, they can offer warranties that last a lifetime. Licensed and insured, Riverland services Mississippi and its surrounding states. So text or call Riverland today at 662-644-4297. Pete, how are you? I'm doing doing great. Doing great. Uh, I've enjoyed prepping for this and getting ready for this matchup. Um, glad the matchup is down the road and I'll be able to sleep in my own bed and not have to pay uh, bowl game hotel prices. And um, so... It's been good. You always want to go to the playoffs if you can, but uh, if you can't quite make the playoffs, this is about as good a bowl as you can get. The The Peach Bowl, the Cotton Bowl are amazing bowl games. They do great. One, the Peach Bowl does great philanthropic work all year, all year round. They're great people. Uh, they've turned the bowl game into an absolute uh, masterpiece, play it in a beautiful stadium. Uh, the town supports it. They're kind of everything you could want in the Peach Bowl. They're fantastic to media. I know nobody cares about that except people in the media, but they are fantastic to media. Uh, it's it's a it's a great event, and so uh, it's and getting to play Penn State in a 
New Year's Six game uh, with kind of the whole world sort of watching you as they get ready for the big semifinal games the next day. I think it's as big of a stage as you can ask for unless you're on that big stage. And uh, it's for a program that is clearly getting ready to push all the chips in for 2024 in a 12-game playoff. It feels like an opportunity. Now, look, don't get me wrong, Pete. You can me if I'm wrong. A loss, whoever loses this game, their program isn't cratered. This is not the end of the world for either Ole Miss or Penn State. One of them is going to lose the game. But it is an opportunity, I think, to sort of catapult yourself into 2024 with some real momentum. And um, going into a season that certainly for Ole Miss, I can't really speak for Penn State, although I'm sure this is their goal as well. Uh, For Ole Miss, the goal is playoffs or bust. This is an opportunity to really go into that with a head start. Yeah, you know, I I think – Right now, if you're an Ole Miss fan, even if you're just a casual college football fan, you, you probably have some indication of the way rosters are being rebuilt and how how crazy things are right now. And you know, Lord knows if if you're a member of your board, you're probably hitting refresh on your computer or mobile device every two minutes, waiting to see if there's another shark tweet. Um, you have no but, idea how badly I wish I were getting paid by the click right now. It would just. Oh, I, I <laughs> absolutely know that you do. I, I, I can only imagine. Um, we, we, we aren't, but man, I wish we were. It would be, it'd be sweet these <laughs> last few days. That's for sure. There, I know every time I check it, there's, there's been an influx of information and wasted time. But, um, so yeah, if you were getting paid by the click, things would be going well for, for MPW Digital. But, you know, you talk about nobody's going in the tank, win or lose this game, but recruiting season, portal season doesn't end, you know, when this game is over. So if you come out of this game with a win over a highly ranked opponent, um, and if you're Ole Miss, an opponent that's got, you know, you're playing number one in total defense, and let's say you go produce, right, and offensively you're effective and, and you win this ball game, you come out of it now with something else to go show, right? You're not just talking about Grove Collective or, you know, Realtree or whatever it may be. You're walking in saying, look, this, this is, this is what we did in the SEC schedule. And we know Georgia's an elite football team and probably should be in the playoff or arguably could be in the playoff. And they're the only team that really gave it to us. Alabama, who a lot of people think is about to win this playoff is a team that we went and played our worst. And, and still had, a, you know, a chance to, to make it a game. And so here we go against the top 10 team and, and, and we won this ball game. And so you, you were able to not just for your fan base and, and excitement momentum there, but for the next round of portal for, for those, those high school kids that you may try to close in on late with any spots that you have left. It's really a chance and then just nationally to keep the conversation, to keep yourself relevant in the conversation. And we talked about it before. You know, and you mentioned it a second ago with going all in with your chips. I mean, you know, there's no bones about it. They they know that the landscape of college football has changed with the, the transfer portal and NIL, but it's about to change again with the playoffs next year expanding. And Ole Miss very much wants to be a part of that conversation. And winning this ball game is is probably the best thing they can do to keep themselves a part of that conversation going into the season. You mentioned Penn State's defense, top-ranked in the country, obviously, for Ole Miss to win this game. They've got to maneuver their way through and around that defense. So I think that's what you're going to focus mostly on here on on your preview. So the floor is yours, my friend. Yeah, we we are going to focus on their defense, um, you know, for for obvious stated reasons. Um, And, you know, 
I, I've seen this discussed some. Uh, you know, people wonder, okay, um, you know, they're losing their defensive coordinator. Manny Diaz has been a little bit of a name in college football for quite a while. A lot of Ole Miss fans might remember when he was at Mississippi State um, as a defensive coordinator, um, obviously spent some time as a head coach in his hometown of Miami uh, before recently taking over and getting the job at Duke. Um, you know, he is not with the team anymore, but this isn't a thing where you're going to see them turn around and just overhaul who they are throughout the course of bowl preparation. Um, you know, and what they are is a really talented roster that plays an aggressive brand of football. Um, you know, one thing Neil and I talked about as we, we prepped for this was I, I wanted to wait as long as we could um, to see, you know, who who's going to opt out of this game. And right now you're talking about one guy, Chop Robinson, um, who's expected to be a high draft pick on the offensive side of the ball or defensive side of the ball. He's really the main guy. Offensively right now, it's just their tight end. Um, now, they've got an offensive lineman, a tackle, highly rated. They have a corner, highly rated. Those guys, potential opt-outs, but right now they're still on the board. You know, we also wanted to know before we did this, if you're Ole Miss and you're looking at your roster, what's the status of the guys you're bringing to the table? And, and we don't know entirely, but we have some ideas of who's coming back and who we're going to see and who's injured and and some of that stuff. So looking at it from that, you know, um, there's so much you can look at with this Penn State defense. And one of the questions that I got repeatedly asked by different people uh, leading up to this was, you know, it's the Big Ten. Offensively, outside of Ohio State, maybe Michigan, who do they really have that, that flourishes offensively? I mean, no offense I, to I your will. beloved Hawkeyes. Yeah, right? Yeah. No offense to the beloved Hawkeyes, right? We yeah. scored a touchdown or two. Just... And, and punted a few times, too. You really know, well, really prolific. well, punted extremely well, prolific punting team. Yeah. Um, but offenses in, in, in the league have gotten a little better. Um, I mean, you know, you can't look at, you know, you talk about Florida state and their best, rec- you know, receiving threat this year was a kid that transferred from Michigan state, you know, so talent exists outside of those big two or big three schools in that conference. Um, you know, Maryland does good things offensively. Um, you know, Rutgers has some players on their roster that can play anywhere. I mean, there's talent spread out. Um, but it is a little bit different style of football for a lot of teams in that league. So trying to look at, um, you know, how is that going to mesh with the style of football that Ole Miss plays? That was one of the things that was a little bit uh, difficult for me. I had four games in my library that I could watch, the Ohio State game, the Michigan game, and a couple others. And the problem was the Ohio State offense is the only one that from a a stylistic standpoint, they're not the same as Ole Miss, but from a formation structure, the way they try to attack, there's some similarity. Um, so I spent a lot of time watching that game. So we're going to look at some of that. Spent time, uh, didn't spend a ton of time watching the Michigan game because Michigan spends so much time in personnel groupings that Ole Miss just doesn't use. That's a waste of time for us, in my opinion, if we're trying to evaluate this defense. But there are some things that Michigan did offensively that very much give us a picture, I think, that can give us insight into the game. I tried to go back and watch the Maryland game because, again, from a from a structure standpoint, from an RPO standpoint, a lot of the roots of that offense are, are from the Alabama offense 
where those guys, you know, a lot of that staff came from. And and you see the same things in the roots of the Lane Kiffin offense. There's there's definitely crossover in those trees and in those systems. So I'll watch some of that. And a few things that stand out to me about this Penn State defense is, is one that they are multiple. The way they attacked Ohio State was completely different than the way they attacked most teams on their schedule defensively. Um, and I can't decide which version of the Penn State defense Ole Miss is going to get. And we'll talk more about that in a minute. But you look at the statistics and some of the things that impressed me, um, other than being number one in total defense, you know, giving up nine point something points a game, I believe, they have eight guys on their roster that have registered three or more sacks. Now, Ole Miss has five guys on their roster. I don't know how many teams in college football are going to have eight defenders with three or more sacks on the season. I was impressed by that number. <coughs> Excuse me. When I looked at that number, the thing that really kind of got me, and after having watched the film, I wasn't really surprised, but in the top um, in the top six uh, uh, sack leaders on that defense, two of them were actually DBs. And a third one plays a lot like a nickel, kind of a linebacker, kind of a nickel. You could maybe argue uh, that, that he's a little bit of a hybrid. So all of their production, it's not just their defensive line. Chop Robinson, who's opting out of the game, is a very talented pass rusher. He's actually fourth on the team in sacks this year. Now, some of that is protection has probably shifted to him. Um, but opposite of him, Isaac, number 20, is actually the leader in sacks followed by Abdul Carter, number 11, really talented linebacker that they use in a lot of different ways. And then the next guy is a DB. Um, he's a corner that, that plays some in the slot, some in the outside. So they are willing to pressure from a lot of different places. What makes them interesting to me is from a front standpoint, they're not very different in the way they try to attack than most teams in college football these days. The things – that we talked about when we broke down um, Texas A&M, when we broke down Georgia, and the way that they try to attack you with their front, there is a lot of similarity, especially in what I think the Texas A&M film and, and things that we looked at there. But what they do coverage-wise is different. Um, so many defenses you see outside of Saban, outside of Kirby, they, they, they kind of have a home where they end up a lot of times. If they're going to be a pressure team, they're either a man pressure team or they're a, a, a cover three, <coughs> excuse me, pressure team. Penn State has the ability to attack you um, both ways and feel very confident. So, again, you know, I kind of mentioned it earlier. I don't know what Ole Miss is going to get from Penn State from an attack standpoint, especially if their best corner does not opt out and King remains to stay in the game. I would not be shocked to see a lot of the cover one man-to-man, um, but I also wouldn't be surprised to see zone, and regardless, they're going to give you a mix. So I want to show you the two different game plans and the way that they use their coverage and their rush package to defend teams. So in the Ohio State game, when you think about Ohio State, you know, um, I saw Kyle McCord, I think, announced yesterday or today where he's going with his next step. Um, Ohio State fans <clears throat> probably have some mixed feelings on his performance as a quarterback this year. 
but they they parentally have one of the best receiving cores in college football, and they have a top draft pick on that roster right now at wide receiver. And a lot of teams would look at the structure of that offense, know that Ryan Day likes to throw the football to set up the run, know that they have a good pass-catching tight end. They have elite receivers on the perimeter, and their response is going to be, let's keep things in front of us, challenge them at times, and be smart. Penn State came out and said, no, we can play with them. We're going to play man-to-man on almost every snap. We're going to be aggressive at the line of scrimmage, and we're going to control the box. And we're not going to give them easy throws, um, which again, it's kind of a kind of a ballsy approach. <laughs> you look at a lot of their other games, and they actually come out and play a lot of zone. They don't play as much man to man. So, I'm curious to see again how will they try to attack Ole Miss. So we're going to look at some of the ways that they defended Ohio State, and then some of the ways they defended Michigan to kind of give you some different examples of the way things play out. Okay. Now, this snap is actually, you see Ohio State gets into tempo. Penn State is barely set, <coughs> excuse me, secondary, still communicating when this ball is snapped. But this is one of the snaps in this game where Ohio State caught them playing zone. And I do think that if you get into your tempo, if their plan is we're going to play man-to-man, if you can get have success, get it into tempo as an offense, you force them into some tempo checks as a defense, which is going to get you in, get them into zone looks. Okay. So from a formation standpoint, this is very much one that we see out of Ole Miss week in and week out. It's a three by one formation with the tight end off the ball right outside the offensive tackle. Okay. Penn State is in a two high structure right here. Um, playing a version of cover four to the field or playing cover two to the boundary. Okay. And it is a six man box. One thing they do not do a ton of is they don't add a seventh or eighth defender from different places late. They, they expect their box to be able to control the line of scrimmage and they're willing to give up some short runs, let the secondary rally late. Um, because they think that they can control things with the guys they have. They trust these six to hold down the fort and let all these other guys <coughs> rally late and provide the last bit of support. They don't feel the need to do what so many teams do, which is add a safety immediately on the snap and rotate their coverage a ton. Okay, On that same point, they are quick and aggressive up front. They move constantly on the defensive line. They're not small or undersized, but they're not 330-pound space eaters. Okay? So there's going to be constant movement. Because of that, I think that the teams that I saw being successful running the football, the most consistent successful runs were zone football runs. It's a little easier to handle the movement. Instead of pulling guys, trying to get into gap schemes, you know, you can find yourself sometimes pulling for guys that have moved and it creates some issues and you can let guys slip through. And Ohio State and other games that I watched, the most success they had consistently running the football was his zone football. Okay, Ole Miss uh, uses both zone and gap schemes. I think that there are certain gap schemes you'll see a lot of, um, but I think Ole Miss is going to use a lot of their zone run game 
against this defense to try to mitigate some of the movement by the uh, by the defensive front. Okay, so here you can see us an example where they they hand the ball off here. Um, you know, four, and I'm gonna go to the end zone copy. They hand the ball off here on a zone play again into the tempo, trying. You know, defense isn't quite set yet, and honestly. You know, what you see here is the left tackle for Ohio State. Typically, whether his combo is going to be with this guard or with the tight end, he is typically going to be told to climb here to 11. 11 is Abdul Carter. He's a young defender, but he's he's kind of, they hype him as the next great number 11 linebacker out of Penn State. Very athletic guy. So typically, that's where that combo is going to go. And the center in his combo are going to work to 23, and you have six to block six. You can see as this plays out, the left tackle 71. If he tracks vertical to 11, you give your back potential of a two-way cut, and it's got a chance to spit even though that they missed 23 right here. Instead, 71 gets turned, nobody gets to 11, and he's standing in the hole. So it's a three-yard gain for Ohio State that if the, if the left tackle stays on track and is able to get up to number 11, then, you know, you have a chance to see these runs spit. And in the second half of this game, as Ohio State started coming back to this same type of scheme, they started finding success. You know, it gives you an example here, too. You can just watch the D-line. They're going to move bodies and try to cross face as much as they can because, you know, again – when you're going to play, you know, with match numbers and you're not you're not adding a hat to the box, you can't just stand there and take on double teams. You have to rely on movement to try to help you create negative plays. So I think we're going to see a ton of that out of the Penn State defense, okay? Um, you know, kind of the, the next snap is another one where I talked about, you know, how they played a lot of man-to-man coverage in this game. All right, and here you're actually going to see them play a little bit of a mixed coverage. They're going to play a zone to one side, and they're going to play a man um, to the to the other side of the field. Okay, one of the things that I thought that uh, Ryan Day and the Ohio State coaching staff did that was extremely smart was they used a ton of motion, and in particular, they used tight end motion to try and force the defense to do two things. One. It tells the quarterback what the coverage is. <laughs> if guys are running with them, man to man. If things just bump off and rotate, you identify zone. So you can help out Jackson Dart or any quarterback by using these motions. But it's also just going to let you try to create some mismatches because they have to decide how they want to handle these motions. So pre-snap right here, okay, they're playing man to man to the field. So these three defenders, the corner, this outside linebacker and this safety are responsible for the tight end, wide receiver, and the tailback, the three defenders that can distribute easily to their side of the field. Okay. By motioning this tight end out of the formation, you get a bump as the linebacker now has to expand with the guy that he is thinking he is playing man-to-man on. When you do that, and they bring, in this case, Marvin Harrison back across the defense again, they've outflanked the defense. 
It's a really athletic play by the linebacker, but he's not quite athletic enough to get out there anyway. And with a decent block on the perimeter, you can see that they gain the numbers. But the quarterback knows right now, as soon as he sees that linebacker chasing, he knows that it's man-to-man on this side, which means whoever's defending his receiver coming back in the flat <coughs> excuse me, is having to come from the other side of the formation, <clears throat> fighting a sinus infection. So pardon my, it's all my good. coughing fits here. It's that time of year. So easy motion shows the easy read to the quarterback, get it to a playmaker in space. Um, it, this is a play that we've highlighted several times over the years with Kiffin, with Ole Miss, using guys, slipping guys into the flat. We haven't seen as much of it this year, but that's certainly something that we have seen in the past. Uh, with Ole Miss, and we've seen it this year with uh, with um, Jordan Watkins and some other guys on that Ole Miss roster. Okay, now getting into the man-to-man that we see, all right? This is a second and 10, still in the first quarter for Ohio State, down in the red zone. Okay, right now, pre-snap, the quarterback knows that it's man-to-man. They are pressed across the board. They're pressed on the slot. They're pressed on... <clears throat> both outside receivers, you have one high safety in the middle of the field. Now, when you play with one high safety, you are weak on the outside and deep if you can win the one-on-one matchup or if the offense wins the one-on-one matchup. So these defenders are going to play an outside leverage and try to funnel the receivers inside so that the middle of the field safety gives them a chance. Well, part of what Ohio State did to combat this was, again, they used motion. They're going to motion their tight end across, and they're going to force the defense. Now, they have to do one of two things. They have to either have this guy run through all the traffic and try to stay with him, which some teams prefer but can be very difficult, or they can do what Penn State does, which is they can rotate. (coughs) Excuse me. They can spin this safety down rotate him to the top. Well, again, motion unlocks things for the quarterback. He knows right now what the coverage is. And what they're going to do is they're going to put a little vertical seam ball right here to their slot receiver. If they lined up and snap this ball now, this defender has a chance to read eyes and go affect that play. As soon as they motion, you can see here's the motion, and now – the two DBs have to rotate and swap. This defender that just rotated back is not in the same body position to react the same way. So McCord knows right now he's going to his left. They have opened it up for him. Had they stayed, had that safety stayed deep and had one run across, I honestly think he would have looked to the field and then worked the boundary, try to work the guy that's having to run through all the traffic to cover his man. As soon as he saw rotation, he knows, come to the bottom of the field, we're going to take the matchup with our receiver on their slot defender, and it's honestly just not a great ball. The It's there. The read is there. But just that simple use of motion um, is, is able to time things up. Now, the other thing that I will show you that I think you'll see Ole Miss try to take advantage of is when they play this man-to-man. There's a lot of different communication terminology gets used two of the kind of most common things that you will hear people talk about um when they're playing man-to-man 
okay, are two three-letter words. One, first one, is Meg. Meg means that I'm going to take him man everywhere that he goes. So wherever that dude goes on the field, as long as the ball is in play, he's mine. Okay, so I'm the corner and I'm screaming Meg, 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 and telling my linebackers. Okay, the other one is mod. Okay, a couple people I've heard mod and interpreted different ways. Okay, one is man on demand, and the other is man over depth. Okay, and there's other communication. There's other things that that you'll hear guys talk about other techniques, but these are kind of the two most basic. Okay. So right here, what you're going to see is they bring the motion guy across. He's working deep. <clears throat> Both guys here at the bottom of the field are working deep. And they're going to take Marvin Harrison, and they're going to run him underneath these backers on a shallow route. Okay? If they're playing Meg, that defender is going to run with him in man-to-man. What I see on film is they play mod almost all the time. So that corner is taught. Once that receiver releases underneath, he is going to bail out and play with depth. And now you get one of your receivers isolated on an inside linebacker um, <clears throat> for a clear mismatch and an easy read. So here on this particular snap, you're going to see, obviously we, we've already shown the clip, that McCord is going to try to take the shot down the field against the rotation. But if he comes off of that and doesn't like it because of the pressure, you can see the mod technique letting the receiver go when he releases shallow opens up and you actually have a wide open Marvin Harrison right there in the middle of the field. Okay. So let's look at the pressure that they, that they align, um, align with this particular clip. All right. So they're going to show, they're going to, they're going to stem and with something again, Ole Miss saw this stem out of Georgia this year, called Ole Miss early in the game. Uh, they, 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 they weren't affected by it much as the game kind of went on, but they're starting, they're showing a four man front and then they're going to jump into this, this five Oh front. Okay. So right now they're playing five down linemen essentially with two stand up edge players. And there's one backer in the box. Okay. So they are going to work a pass rush where they're going to stunt one of their inside guys. And he is going to work around on this stunt. The linebacker that is left is also going to add on to the protection. He is man-to-man on this running back. If the running back gets involved and becomes a part of the protection, he is going to late become a blitzer and become an extra part of the rush package. So there's the stunt right there. You see they actually take the nose. They're going to pinch both three techniques or both four eyes. They're going to take the nose around. He's going to loop to the outside. Okay. They're going to, Ohio State slides the protection. <clears throat> 23 sees the linebacker get involved in the protection. So 23 is going to become an extra blitzer. Okay. This, for my money, poor communication from, from the Penn State defense. If they're going to add this linebacker to the rush package and there's nobody in the middle of the field, they should be playing Meg on this receiver, and they should be matching him across the field, and they don't. They play Mod when he releases underneath the corner bells out. So you can see they handle you know, the, the stunt. It causes the quarterback to get a little bit off of his platform. Okay, But 
if they handle the pressure and he takes his check down, you see he's got the wide open guy right there. And that's going to, we're going to see that presented in very much the same fashion at some point in this Ole Miss bowl game. And Jackson Dart's going to have to recognize it and take advantage of it. So this is the very next clip, actually. We're third and 10 now. And this is one thing that I do see a decent amount from this Penn State defense on third and 10 is they will get in and they will play two man. So they're playing the same man to man underneath. Okay. But now instead of playing one safety high, they've got two safeties high. Okay. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC. Member SIPC. Allows you to kind of bracket, stay over the top of things, all right? From a coverage standpoint, it's nothing that's going to be new. It's nothing that Ole Miss hasn't seen. It's not uncommon for a lot of teams to use in these different situations, okay? The end zone copy is where, you know, anybody that, again, has watched Ole Miss and seen the last couple games of the season as injuries started to really present up front for the Ole Miss offensive line, and anybody that has kind of looked at the names and the numbers for this Penn State defense, your biggest concern is Ole Miss is the offensive line is how are they going to respond to some of the things that they see. So here you get a very similar front structure. You'll notice there's no linebacker. They're showing five guys blitzing. The only difference is instead of it being three down linemen down in three-point stances, They've taken all of their inside defensive tackles off the ball, and this is a full-on rush package, okay? 23 plays inside. He'll play on the edge some as well as a rusher. You see here he's standing up. But 33 uh, is is, uh, Sutton, I believe, is one of their defensive ends. Really good pass rusher. Uh, 11 is, is Carter, who's effective in the pass rush. He's second on the team in sacks. 44 plays some defensive end. He's standing up here over the center. Okay. And then this is Chop Carter, who's not playing in the bowl game, uh, lined up on this other side. So they're giving you the impression they're going to rush five. And when this ball is snapped, what they're actually going to do is just simply rush four guys 
with the spy on the quarterback in this long down and distance situation. Okay. You see it a bit from them in these type of situations, but you can see they're going to be aggressive upfield on the edge. Okay. And you've got to be really smart uh, with the football and kind of how you distribute. Staying out of pass rush situations that allow their defensive ends to just tee off is absolutely going to be crucial <laughs> for Ole Miss's offensive success. Okay. Skipping forward much lighter in the game. One thing that I've seen a lot of teams do to Penn State, uh, one thing that Ohio State certainly did a decent amount of both to run and throw was they buried the formation into the boundary. They put the strength of the formation into the boundary. They put Marvin Harrison wide to the field. Now, Marvin Harrison got a lot of respect on this play, okay? Uh, They're not always going to get that. Sometimes you're going to get man-to-man. But if Ole Miss wants to put Trey Harris out there by himself, they can get one-on-one matchups, okay? Here, you are going to get – you know, another pressure from this defense, okay? Right now, he knows that they are not playing man-to-man. Pre-snap, we've seen press, press, press. Here you're watching these corners are playing off. These safeties are playing off. They are going to bring a fire zone pressure here where they are going to bring both safeties off the edge, okay? And they are going to try to uh, try to play this kind of hot fire cover three on the outside. It's down in the red zone. The corners are not going to be heavy to go flying out of there. They know they have to protect themselves. Okay. And the other thing if, I will say if about would have, if, if four would have played the ball here, he might have a pick. Six. Uh, he, he, he definitely could have had a chance at a, at a pick right there. That's one thing about, I, I will say, now they get the call on this play. <clears throat> they get the catch and the call of how state does. One thing when I'm watching these games is I, I feel like, Big Ten officiating crews have a tendency to let them play in the secondary and be physical and play with hands. They do. It's one of the reasons that they have a hard time getting offense going sometimes. It, is, man, they it, really let you manhandle. I, they really let you. There were there were four or five snaps in this game alone that I just absolutely was shocked that the Penn State secondary was not holding a, a receiver down the field, tackling a receiver down the field not even guys the ball is coming to sometimes. And it's part of, if you're going to be aggressive in the secondary, you have to play like that. And so that's one thing that I do think is going to matter in this game. Ole Miss is going to take shots down the field. (laughs) If Penn State is allowed to be physical in the secondary, they're going to have some success. If they get an officiating crew that is not going to let them play their brand of football, it is going to be interesting to see what happens um, because, you know, like they they are, like I said, they are very, very willing to be handsy um, a, as a secondary, okay? I'm going to skip to the end zone copy of this. And, again, pass protection is going to be so big for this, uh, for this Ole Miss offense, okay? Here you see, again, they're showing all these guys at the line of scrimmage and they're actually going to bring three, who is a DB that is third in the team in sacks, and 21, another safety. They're going to bring both of them off the edge, okay? Get them involved in the blitz. Now you have other guys who are showing pressure, try to secure. They don't want them to be able to set the 
They don't want them to be able to slide the offensive line. So you get into this front and you try to get them to check into a protection where it's man-to-man, man-to-man. You want to go into what's called the 5-0 protection. Okay, so now everybody's man-to-man. And so now when I'm Penn State, when I bring these safeties, the running back can only pick up one of them. And as a defender, like in this case, Abdul Carter drops out, you're stuck with an offensive lineman blocking nobody and a free rusher off the edge. So here, there comes the guys off the edge. There go three different defenders on the interior dropping out. And it's just a really good throw and catch um, here that, that really would have drawn the flag anyway. But you can see the effect it has. They get the protection check that they want to get. But Penn State's able to get the free rusher. And if he's forced to hold on to that ball anymore, there's the safety right off the edge untouched. And he's able to get a shot on the quarterback even despite. Uh, A little bit later in the game. Okay, I talked about, I think, um, I showed you the clip earlier (laughs) where – I talked about the difference in man-to-man coverage and mod and Meg and how they handle it. And earlier we saw going into this end zone, we saw McCord try to throw the seam and, and be incomplete, and he had a wide-open Marvin Harrison on the shallow underneath. Later in the same game, they come back to the same scheme. There's the motion. You get the same rotation by the safety, and there they go. You can see as Harrison releases inside, the corner's going to pass him off. Now you've got a linebacker one-on-one with your athlete. The protection doesn't have to hold up very far, and it turns into an explosive play. Um, very easy to see Ole Miss if they feel like they're going to get a lot of the man-to-man cover one stuff from this Penn State defense. Be shocked if I don't see Ole Miss try to take advantage of this technique that you see you know, pretty consistently on film uh, from from this defense, okay? Now, I'm going to change pictures just a little bit, okay? And we're going to go to the Michigan game. A lot less man-to-man in this game, a lot more zone, but still aggressive defense, okay? Now, here we are. This is early in the game. And Michigan comes out, they, they don't play with 17 tight ends or 14 offensive linemen. They actually get into a kind of a traditional four-wide set right here. Now, you see the man-to-man look at the bottom. Everybody else on the field, the quarterback knows pre-snap. It is not hard to identify that they're playing zone coverage right here. Okay, What they're going to do here is they're going to play a version where they're going to poach from the backside. So they're going to play cover two over here. Okay. They're going to play. He's going to be two read. He's going to be reading, taking the flat. He's a deep half defender. This safety is reading number three. He's reading that other wide receiver. If that wide receiver were to release underneath, he is going to stay and he is going to get his depth here, protecting that half of the field. If that wide receiver were to release vertical or outside, he is going to work to that route to now protect the middle of the field, which gives the corner a chance to be aggressive in the flat and allows this safety to be aggressive in his outside half if he needs it. The running back in this case now is going to be picked up by somebody, (laughs) excuse me, in the box. Okay. So Michigan is going to come out here 
All right. They're going to get into their passing game and they're actually going to be able to just take the tight end on this easy little stick route right here. Okay. Um, the key is going to be pass pro, like we've talked about, you know, kind of. And if you go to this end zone copy, now this is 44 is Robinson. He's the guy that's opted out, the guy that's not playing. This is why Ole Miss fans should be very happy that he is not playing. You can see his get off right here, his up the field. He has very good quickness up the field, and the right tackle for Michigan really struggles. Now, we're not doing a Michigan preview show. I'm aware of that. Um, They bragged a lot about in this game about how they only threw the ball eight times. Well, part of that was because they really struggled blocking these edge rushers from Penn State, and so they did not want to throw the ball because they did not know if they could keep McCarthy upright. But what you will see, and I do think, you know, one thing that 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 I, I do think shows up on film, they are good in the secondary. They're aggressive in the secondary. Where I don't think they are great in coverage is at linebacker. So okay. right here, J.J. McCarthy knows my tight end is running this little stick route. All he has to see is what happens right here with this defender. If he expands, I'm open because I like my matchup on 41. If he stays and hugs him, that means I've got a one-on-one somewhere on the outside. <laughs> so, again, very simple read. The formation, the the spacing of the receivers makes it very easy to identify what the coverage is right there. Okay, The protection, again, they bring five. Uh, the quarterback takes a shot, but he's able to get the ball off. Okay. Um, kind of moving on just a few snaps later in the ball game. Again, still early in the game. One thing I saw a lot of teams do, and if I rewind this, you'll get a good picture of it. Saw this a ton from Michigan, a ton from Ohio State, and saw it on some of the other uh, clips from this game as well. But a lot of teams showed one formation. In particular, they would start in compressed and then bounce everybody out wide Okay, and I think part of it is they probably have a feel that Diaz is calling the game and checking based on what he sees from a formation standpoint. So if you show a picture, get him thinking one thing and then burst out of it. Now he's not calling the game anymore. Of course, Michigan is calling the game. It's it's still the same system. Michigan might have just wanted to see the signs on the sideline. Well, well, that's that that is accurate. They (laughs) they they probably did. They. Uh, stallions i think was out by now but who knows if his protégés were still on staff um but so they started tight they bounce out wide now and again as soon as they bounce out the secondary starts talking okay right now the quarterback's able to identify from a coverage structure he knows he's getting zone okay it just it's 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 clear for him he's able to kind of isolate and see what he wants to do now so it's interesting right here they're going to play they're going to play zone down here to the field. And it's kind of odd to me, honestly, how wide this safety is. Because if he gets a vertical threat here, he's going to get help from his nickel, but he has to run with that threat. But I don't know if the motion affected it, but him getting outside the hash really surprises me right there. Now into the boundary, they're going to take Robinson, who at this point is in, and they are actually going to buzz him all the way to the flat. They're going to let this safety fit down 
and replace as the linebacker, and they are going to play a zone here. So if you are Ole Miss, there is space to work your RPO game, to throw your quick screens, to do your different things. But if you're Jackson Dart, you have to be – you have to have your head on straight. If you're throwing a hitch into the boundary, if they were running some type of a hitch route into this boundary, the corner tells you this is open. I can throw this route. But if they drop this end underneath and you don't see it coming, <laughs> you're in a bad spot if you are uh if you're the Ole Miss offense. Okay. So you got to be sure. Now here you'll see Michigan, I believe, actually runs the ball in this particular snap. Uh, against this look, and they do another zone run, okay? But you can see in this picture, if you watch the end of the top of the screen, if he as he drops out, you against the run, you really want him to stay and be a part of the box here. He doesn't take any picture of him. I getting a pass set or a run drop, and he expands outside. So you can see the window he's dropping into. If they were to throw a hitch right here, um, he'd be getting right underneath that route potentially. You see the pressure coming from the inside right there. But again, if you go to the inside and you talk about why do I like zone more than I like gap schemes in most scenarios here, okay, again, you see the slant, you see the movement, there's the pressure for Ole Miss right here. If you are reading number 20 and you can do enough to affect him, you can see now, now he sees it, he doesn't take McCarthy right there, but if you get up to 41 and 20 can't fall in and make that play, you know, it's a five-yard gain with him falling in to make that play. But you've really got a chance at a good play. You're one-on-one with the safety right there if 20, if 20 isn't able to fall in on that, okay? Now, okay, another thing that you will see, just a few more clips here. The other thing that both Ohio State, Michigan, and Maryland all did, they didn't get into outside stacks very much. But other than using motion, one of the things both teams did was they got in this trips formation and they stacked the inside receivers. We've actually seen Ole Miss do this this season. It was big for them in the LSU game in particular. They had some different ways of running their mesh concept out of this particular look. Okay. So one of the things that it does is, again, it forces the defense to kind of show their hand. <laughs> the quarterback is able to tell that they're playing man-to-man. They're man on the outside. These two defenders clearly have these two receivers. So he's able to kind of unlock the coverage right here. Now they're going to spin. They're going to rob with this safety where he's going to essentially become a linebacker. They're going to play deep with this safety and they're playing that same cover one that we talked about earlier, and they're going to work a spy right here. Now, we run this. This is, in my opinion, a a, a, a bad, just a, just a bad read, but um, from a protection standpoint, they just don't handle it well. Um, again, you see they get an advantage on the right tackle. But when they stack up these two guys, the defense has two primary ways to defend it. One will be to play point, which means the point man is going to press the point man and be man-to-man, and the deep defender has the deeper receiver. The other is to play top, where the point defender is going to have the deeper receiver, and the deeper DB is going to have the guy that's on the line of scrimmage. 
Okay. They'll play it both ways. Here, <clears throat> they play point. So now you create a situation where the ball has a chance to come out right now on this hot route to the, to the slot receiver. Quarterback has a chance to get it out. He's going to take a shot, but it's open. They have found the window to get him open right there underneath with a chance to maybe run for a conversion. Okay. They don't, they're not able to get it because of the pressure. And just again, you go back to how do they design the rush look? They give you the same type of look that we looked at earlier. They've got a man head up on the nose. Okay. They've got two guys standing in B gap, two wide defenders, and then they've also now walked up number three. So they've overloaded one side. So again, they want the center to play man to man on him. They want to be man to man here, man to man here. And then now they have to make a decision. Okay. The tackle is going to probably take the end. And seven here is now probably going to take number three. So again, they're trying to distort your protection, get you to check into certain things. And I guarantee you they've been looking at how does Ole Miss handle certain looks from a protection standpoint? How do we want to attack it? So now as the, as the ball <laughs> is snapped, they're going to work a stunt with their front. See, they change the overload now. They change the coverage. Okay. So there you go. So here, here we go. We got this five man, this penny look. So now they're going to work stunt on one side. Number 11 here, who is over the center is not actually, uh, is not actually going to be involved in the rush. He's a spy. But just like we saw earlier, if the quarterback starts to flush and that running back gets into protection, the quarterback starts to flush. You just gained an extra hat now to go get it. Um, but they're effective in how they design, how they attack the coverage. They really like these wide splits by these defensive ends, and they put these offensive tackles on an island. And if you're not effective in your uh, in your pass pro, and right tackle is probably an area of concern for Ole Miss right now, um, you know, it can be a long day for your quarterback. All right? Last two clips I want to show you, and I'm going to show you only because this is <coughs> a scheme that we see every game from Ole Miss, and it's certainly something that I think we will see in the Peach Bowl, okay? Ole Miss will do it with jet motion. They'll do it bringing guys in motion. They will also do it with just the tailback, where they are going to bring a guy across the face of the quarterback. They are going to lead for the outside run on that defender, and then they are going to pull the backside or the lineman and the quarterback is going to read the end with a chance to hand it for the ball to get on the perimeter or for the quarterback to keep it and go the other direction, okay? So I'm cut to the end zone shot right here. Now, I think McCarthy right here makes a bad read, okay? So what they're going to do is they're going to bring Seven, who is their backup tailback. He's kind of their speed guy. <clears throat> they're going to bring him in motion on this jet sweep look. They're going to lead with the tight end and number 20, and then they're going to run counter back the other direction with the offensive line. So they're going to be here. He's going to pull. 52 is going to pull. And what they're asking McCarthy to do here is read this defensive end. Okay. As the play snaps here, <coughs> that end widens and is getting into a drop. Because, again, they're in one of their fire zone pressures. 
and they've actually taken the guy that was the nose and they've slanted him outside. Well, McCarthy, I think, sees the end drop, maybe gets a little confused. He hands this ball off, and you see the slanting defensive lineman slants right into the play. Had he pulled this ball? Now, again, they like to play wide and aggressive on these outside edges. So here, as they pull, if they can effectively get to 11 right there, which they don't do a great job of on this particular play, you can see where the run lane now is for J.J. Dart or, you know, J.J. McCarthy, Jackson Dart, whoever the quarterback is, you read that right, you execute your trap block, there is room to run. I've got proof of it just a little bit later in this actual game. <laughs> they're going to they're come out. We'll go to the end zone copy again. Okay. A little bit different look defensively. Same formation now for the offense. We're just running it. Uh, run it the other way. They make the check. They get what they want. So there, he's reading this in. The end freezes. He's ready to attack upfield. So now McCarthy's going to pull it. There's the kickout block. There he is getting vertical right there. And if they handle that safety any better, it is an absolute big play run. So you you can run gap schemes against this defense, but you know, the thing that I kind of want you to see, and again, I still think zones are the better scheme. Both of these plays, there's so much movement by the defense. The previous play, McCarthy read it wrong, and it could have been a huge game the other way. And here again, it's really the same thing that we saw last time. <laughs> now it's just to the weak side, not the strong side of the play. He's dropping out. He's slanting. So on paper, when I draw this up in the board in the staff room, he's going to be there. He's going to be there. He's going to be there. And whoever's pulling, they actually like to pull their center. But if the guard pulls, whoever's pulling is going to be responsible for 44 right there. Well, when 44 drops and he goes outside, you actually end up kicking him. And now 52 has to be disciplined and stay on his path to work downhill. So there, 52's got to let him go. He's got to trust 77 to pick him up. 77 does. If 73 can get clean to 21 and get the block right there, you see big space to run the football. So there's an opportunity in the gap run scheme for Ole Miss to run the football. They certainly can do that and be successful. Um, But I think you're going to see some negative plays there as well. And I do think you're going to see a lot of zone runs from the Ole Miss offense. That's great stuff. Uh, I know you about wrapping up, just your kind of overall thoughts on the the Penn State offense, which is nowhere near as prolific as their defensive counterparts. No, I mean, listen, they, you know, after I think the Ohio State game, they fired a guy, and and he's a coordinator that anybody will tell you he's smart. I've seen clinics. I've the guy understands. He knows football. He'll, he'll tell you he's smart. Yeah, he will tell you. He, there's no doubt about that. Um, but not overly successful at Texas. Not overly successful now at Penn State. Um, and, and Drew Alar, the quarterback, I I think he's a good player. He's a young player. I don't think he has a lot of explosives around him. He doesn't have a, a ton of just great playmakers. But he he's a kid. He's from a small town in Ohio, um, very close to where my wife's grandmother lives. Um, 
And, um, you know, there, there's not much in Medina, Ohio, but that's where Drew came from. And he trained with a guy named Brad Mendler. That's one of the better quarterback trainers in that part of the country. Um, that that's really trained a lot of dudes. And when you watch him play as a quarterback, when they give him time, he does a very good job of processing through his schemes, getting to his, <laughs> the back end of his progression. It's about, do they give him time? They're not elite at running the football. They're not overly imaginative, you know, in the, the root of that offense as the season went on. Now, you fire the coordinator. You have already played two of the better teams on your schedule. Um, the offense starts to look a little bit better. But I'll be curious to see, you know, they've made a hire. It is going to be a pretty big shift fundamentally in what they're going to become as an offense. But I don't necessarily think that you're going to see that a ton rolling out, you know, in in, in I wouldn't in think. I wouldn't because it's a completely different scheme, a yes. lot of different language, a completely Absolutely. different coaching style, coaching personality. I just don't know how much of that you can go. Hey guys, I know that uh, you know we've got a lot going on. You got finals, and you're going to break for Christmas. We're going to reconvene on Christmas Day in Atlanta, and hey, we're going to we're going to run this new offense against an, a ten and two SEC team. See what happens. I, that that that's nonsensical. It doesn't. No, it's it, it's not. It feel like I, I, that James Franklin's going. <laughs> James Franklin's been around too long. He's not going to do that. No, and 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 I do think I think I'm not going to be surprised if they run the quarterback more. That's in their future based on the guy they just hired. I'm not going to be surprised to see him run the quarterback more. He he's an He's not he's not a burner by any means, but you watch their games. He he has a knack for just kind of shaking loose for a little yard here and there. Um, you know, so I I do think you're in one that's that's not been good for the Ole Miss defense. Ole Miss has had trouble at times with quarterbacks in the read game. And so I think you'll see some quarterback run game out of them. Um, but again, you don't see a lot of explosive down the field plays taking their tight end out, who's been a big part of their offense. Um, is going to be a factor, I, I, I think. I don't know what the depth looks like at that position, but when I, I was looking at something earlier, and I think I have it pulled up here, um, Theo Johnson is this kid. He had played six hundred and fifteen snaps for their offense this season. That, that's a lot of football that's coming off the field now, and so um, you know nobody else other than the defensive player Robinson <laughs> that we talked about. There's nobody else currently out of the game that's played more than 30 snaps on the season, but yeah. 600 plus snaps, that, that is a lot of damn football. And so losing a guy like that is certainly going to matter. Um, how they replace him and, and his production will be interesting. Um, but I, I, I think, you know, it, Ole Miss is just, that's the other thing too. I, I think um, I would not be shocked to see, Ole Miss be aggressive defensively in this game. Um, uh, why not? They're not a team that's great down the field. They are going to try to run the football. I, I would not be shocked to see Ole Miss. And we've talked about it like the Georgia game. Ole Miss got out of their comfort zone. They they got out of their cover three shell. They tried to play some man-to-man. And I still don't think that's necessarily the answer for them. And, and tell me if I'm wrong here, you've got some guys opting out in the secondary, especially at safety for Ole Miss, or that are in the portal, rather? A couple guys in the portal, but I don't – 
nobody that I think is going to be tremendously impactful. I, for the most part, Ole Miss is not only for this game, but for next season, been able oh, to have an incredible retention. They, they really have. I You lose some depth in this game, I guess yeah. would be the one thing that yeah. I would say. That's fair. Um, sure. out, outside of that, you know, you've got the guys that you need to 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 play, and, and you certainly have time to build your scheme and, <laughs> and make your plan. So, like I said, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see Ole Miss be a little bit more aggressive, um, especially at times. And try to use their speed. Um, you know, cause you, again, you know, when they forced, uh, when Ohio State, who is again elite defensively this year, uh, when they forced, um, Penn State into passing situations, they were able to get pressure, um, with their front. And this year, where last year Ohio State was not great defensively, they played a ton of man to man coverage and it, it cost them. This year they played a lot more zone, um, played a lot, got into a lot of different cover three looks, and they did it differently than Ole Miss does. Um, but they they got to essentially the same place. And so I, I think if Ole Miss can force them into those situations, be aggressive on early downs, um, especially until you get a feel. I mean, at some point you're gonna know, okay, how different is the attack that I'm getting? But if you're aggressive on early downs, force Penn State into some passing situations. I think Ole Miss probably feel good about their ability to get after the quarterback. And if they can do that um, and, and obviously get their offense back on the field, it's, <laughs> um, you know, I can't decide if it's a game to take the under um, because Penn State certainly has a good defense. Um, but I, I read something earlier. Um, I don't remember where it was. It may have been, um, uh, you know, about, oh, here it is. James Franklin's track uh, teams have a track record of going uh, over the total in bowl season. Okay. Um, of hitting the over, of playing better offensively for, for whatever, whatever reason. Uh, this says, uh, in 11 career bowl games, they've hit the, uh, they've gone over their season total, uh, nine times, you know, so they clearly, you know, have, have done a decent job, um, you know, scouting teams and preparing to attack teams. You know, I'd like to deep dive and see who some of those opponents were, maybe. Um, but but I, I you know, I think it's gonna be a great it's gonna be a great atmosphere. Um, you know, obviously Ole Miss fans can get to Atlanta, most of them relatively easy. I mean, hell, anybody can fly into the airport. It tends to get a little bit of business. Um It does. <laughs> I, I but, was uh, I was thrilled when it popped up. I was like, Oh, I can drive it. It's yeah. it's an early game. The Peach Bowl's fantastic. Uh I, I had I had already talked myself into driving to Orlando. So when, when I began to hear whiffs of Atlanta, I'm like, no, that's too good to be true. And then, and then when it happened, I was just, just ecstatic for so many reasons. And, and Ole Miss fans should be too. Number one, you're, you're in an access bowl, New Year's six bowl. It, it, it does have a, it does get, it's going to get more attention than, than Tennessee and Iowa, LSU and Wisconsin, obviously not, to, not to take anything away from LSU or Tennessee, but you, you get, you get that stage and, and uh, you get a, a, big opponent in Penn state and you get to play in a city that's easy to get to, like you said. Absolutely. I mean, you know, obviously where bowl games are and, and, you know, who's, who's hosting what and part of the playoff and all that stuff. But I mean, if you're an Ole Miss fan, you know, Atlanta and, and New Orleans to me are the premier locations to, to go to a bowl game um, for, for ease. I mean, yeah, I, I'd love, don't get me wrong. I'd love to visit Pasadena someday, but I don't want to pay to visit Pasadena someday. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and, and these are towns that, you know, people are familiar with. And the big thing to me is, 
these are towns that are very much in the foot, footprint of your recruiting. Um, and I, I, I think that's important. You know, even though the high school recruiting may not be what it used to be to play in that footprint, um, it just it, to be a part of the local media coverage, um, even though, you know, kids don't sit down and read the newspaper or anything like they used to, and they may not watch the evening news with their parents, but you're still, you're, you're, you're in the footprint. It gives you a presence. Uh, locally, you're going to be talked about on sports talk radio. They're going to know, and kids know who's playing in the Peach Bowl. Yeah, you know, um, and, and so I, I think all that matters. I, I really do. And so, uh, yeah, it, it's going to be exciting. My big thing now is, am I going to Uber down or take Marta? So, I'm going to hop on a hotel shuttle. My big thing now is like, what what brewery type places do i'm going on the 26th going full coverage the coverage brought to you all week by comer heating and air southern air conditioning and heating it's a matter of kind of where i go hang out at night a little bit well if you want to drive north, things, from a media standpoint people don't understand one of the things that's awesome about the peach bowl is compared to compared to the citrus bowl for example the citrus bowl you got to drive out to camping world every day yep Yep. The Peach Bowl, they bring the coordinators and coaches and players and stuff to the media hotel. It's, I mean, it's phenomenal from a. From it, the, it, it is, it is a great setup. I, I actually have two friends. Um, one's in high school administration. One is a coach. Um, the guy that I've worked with before, they actually work for the Peach Bowl every year. Um, and one of them will be essentially Kiffin's in town escort. And the other will be Franklin's in town escort. Um, and and if if they don't, you know, th- there's a few coaches that always come in and kind of have their own driver. A lot of times it's their, you know, uh, security detail, so to speak, the highway patrolman or whatever. But otherwise, these guys are given an Escalade and anywhere the coach needs to go that week, they've got their schedule and that's where they take them. And, um, you know, th- there's some good stories and a lot you can learn about different coaches uh, and kind of really who they are when they're not behind the camera. Um, from from some of those guys, but um, you know when you hear those guys, and then during the game, they're the ones that if they if they call for the review, the guy that's going to walk the little monitor out there for the official. I, I know that guy. So, um, but uh, you know they talk about the organization and the 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 work that goes into the bowl game, and just on their end, the meetings they have to attend leading up to it. They really want it to be a first class deal. Um, I know every interaction I've ever had with the Peach Bowl, um, every interaction, anybody I've ever spoken to has always just spoken highly about the way this bowl game operates. And it, look, it's a difference. I mean, when I was at Ole Miss, you know, we went to the Cotton Bowl with Eli in 03. At the same time, we, we, we I, you know, I, I know you're jealous of this, but I had Christmas dinner in a casino in Bossier City, Louisiana, um, you know, at, at, a, at a buffet. <laughs> uh, which is really one of the highlights of my life. I can so, only imagine. You know, so, so you know, but in my experience in the bowls that I got to be a part of, Nashville and Shreveport and you know, obviously the Cotton Bowl, it, it's bigger. The way they did things were different yeah. in, in every bit of it, not just the location, but the organization and the little things that they do. And all, all that stuff matters. And certainly, uh, you know, the, the players may not see as much of it because a lot of times their schedule can be very rigid. Um, but there's certainly, uh, it certainly matters and it matters to all the people in the periphery, be it the media, the coaches, the coaches, families. Well, they take great care of the players in these, in like the cotton bowl, the peach bowl, the fiesta bowl, the players, the players see a difference between 
I mean, nothing, nothing against the Tax Act Texas Bowl. I'm sure it was lovely, but uh, it, it's it's a monumental jump for the players in terms of the amenities, the gifts, the the the, the hospitality suites at the hotel, the game rooms for them to go play and goof. Absolutely. Uh, you know, the Peach Bowl makes a point of wanting it to be fun for the kids, and it should be. It should be a reward at the end of the year. That is what it's supposed to be, and uh, and I think they they kind of make sure that. That it is. And look, moving forward, it is at worst a national quarterfinal game uh, every yep. year. So it's it's a big-time game. And, again, we started with kind of what it could mean moving forward. It's a it's a visible, tangible uh, carrot, if you will, for, for moving ahead to next year. This is – these are the games that you want to play in because these are the games that starting a year from now mean even more than they – I mean, next year this game – the winner's going to advance at worst. I don't know what the schedule is. The winner's going to advance at worst to the national semifinals. There's a chance that the winner will advance to the national championship game. I mean, this is going to be one of those games that's in that elite circle of bowl games that you want to get to because it means that you're competing for a national championship. Absolutely. Well, Pete, Absolutely. I appreciate this all season long. You've been awesome today. I know you grinding through not feeling the very best, and we certainly appreciate it. We've been brought to you all year by uh, our friends at Riverland Roofing. Don't forget to text or call them today, 662-644-4297. Make sure that uh, they know how much you appreciate them sponsoring this show for all 13 episodes uh, this fall is here in, into the winter. We'll have this to you in plenty of time for you to dissect it before the uh, the bowl game. And Pete, uh, I know I speak for a lot of our listeners and 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 viewers. I hope you and your uh, lovely family have a, a very merry Christmas and a happy New Year. I look forward to talking to you again soon. Thank you. I, I look forward to it. Thanks to you. Thanks to Riverland Roofing. Everybody that makes this possible. It's uh, it's always something I enjoy to do, and I know the feedback that I typically get is positive, and I uh, appreciate people tuning in and hopefully getting something out of it. So, again, we'll have uh, post-game coverage at MPW right after Ole Miss and Penn State. Again, kickoff noon Eastern, 11 a.m. Central on December the 30th, Mercedes-Benz Stadium in Atlanta. Ole Miss, Penn State will break it down on the other side. Happy holidays to everyone out there. Uh, Merry Christmas and all of those things. And I hope you have a very safe and happy holiday season, and we will talk to you again soon. For Pete DeWeese, I'm Neil McCready. That does it. Take care. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.